morning. This is BFC Live for Wednesday, August 26th, 2020. Coming up, a conversation with Liz Daher of BDSA. BDSA is the official insights partner of Business of Cannabis. She is going to dive deep again into Gen Z and millennial cannabis consumers because it is such an important demographic that we need to talk about in the sector. Tomorrow, August 27th, join us for Cannabis Forward event produced in part uh, in partnership with Diversity Talk titled Social Equity and Practice. The event is made possible by Shopify, and you can sign up on our website at businessofcannabis.ca. Thanks to our partners, BDSA, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, and Torque and Mains, and we are protected by ALSIPT. Now, this weekly conversation with Liz Tahura, looking at Gen Z and millennial cannabis consumers. Liz Tahura, if it's Wednesday, you and I are connecting to talk about cannabis consumers. Good morning, Jay. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Um, last week, we talked millennials and Gen Xers. Um, what Gen are we Z. talking about? What's that? Gen Z. Gen Z, shit. Yeah. I screw that up all the time. Not Gen X, Gen Z. Much better. In the, in the context of cannabis, probably much better. Um, uh, what are we talking about today? I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about Gen X. Uh, see, now you've got me doing it too. Gen Z and millennials. Perfect. Let's... A little more about the younger cannabis consumer. Good, because what we learned last week is that this is the future of the cannabis market, uh, as, as with all, a lot of other markets too, but this one they are particularly fond of. So, so let's get into it. All right, let's do it. All right, Jay, you ready for another fact or fiction? I hope so. Here we go. <laughs> All right, fact or fiction. Younger cannabis consumers are changing their relationship status with alcohol. Oh, I'm going to say fact. I'm going to say fact. Okay. It's complicated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> I told you I was going to throw you a curveball. <laughs> but I paused. I gave a long pause. You did. You did. Uh, I'll say you technically, uh, you, you came pretty close to getting that one right. Uh, so just as a reminder from last week, and I think this is, you know, such an interesting nugget here. And, and as Jay, we were talking about last week, uh, this number even surprised me a little uh, at, at the prevalence. Um, certainly expected the the consumer rate to be higher amongst younger consumers or, or younger respondents than uh, their counterparts. But to see that 50%, almost 50% of the, the Canadian residents who are, who are uh, legally aged and fall within these, uh, these generation brackets are currently consuming cannabis, and another 26% are open to consuming in the future. Um, you know, it just can't be understated how much of an impact this group is going to have. Um, and the fact that they really are the tip of the spear in terms of, uh, in terms of the cannabis industry and, and those industries that are impacted by cannabis. So um, Jay, as you know, we spend a lot of our time talking to and working with companies within the cannabis industry. Um, and we also look at those industry adjacent uh, sectors such as Beval, such as OTC, um, and even consumer packaged goods categories. Uh, to see how cannabis is going to impact and change those industries moving forward. 
Um, we've talked about uh, the, the alcohol consumption and sort of the relationship between alcohol and cannabis consumers in the past. And I wanted to revisit that a little bit today um, and think specifically about younger consumers. Uh, and I think it's worth revisiting and looking at. So uh, for any of you who have been watching this uh, segment week over week, and Jay, you'll certainly recognize this slide. We've talked about this before. We talked about the long-term impact for cannabis and alcohol. Uh, we're looking at all consumers here right now. So again, slides you've seen before, we've talked about before, where 68% of cannabis consumers uh, also consume alcohol, and 43% uh, of alcohol consumers also consume cannabis, which is a really fascinating uh, metric to look at. This has been increasing over the past three years. Uh, it does mean that the long-term impact to the BevAl business, the BevAl space, is certainly inevitable as more and more consumers are consuming. We think about that, uh, so that, that oncoming wave of younger consumers aging into a world where cannabis and alcohol are both legal, can be both purchased through legal channels, um, and hopefully in the future uh, can both be consumed in social settings. You know, that's really sort of the next big, uh, big milestone uh, when we think about cannabis consumption in a, in a social, uh, social way. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the Gen Z, again, legal Gen Z plus millennials, um, what we see is pretty interesting here, Jay. What we see is that the, uh, the percentage of cannabis consumers who also consume alcohol is about the same. So 68% mm -hmm. is exactly the same. What is different and what is bigger is the percentage of millennial or Gen Z consumers, uh, alcohol consumers who also consume cannabis. So you think about that sort of substitution, that pairing equation that we've talked about in the past, um, you can see that it is that much more significant when we're talking about younger consumers. When we ask those consumers who do consume both cannabis and alcohol how they're consuming, uh, the younger cannabis consumers look relatively similar to, to the rest of the age groups in terms of how they're thinking about their pairings. Um, slightly larger percentage, about 55%, uh, do say that their alcohol and their cannabis consumption does not overlap. Um, now that's a little higher than the general population. So we talked about about 50% when we were talking about all consumers together. So again, a little bit of a higher incidence of seeing these as separate occasions. Um, but still around half um, are pairing or substituting their, uh, their cannabis and their alcohol consumption. About 14% of them say, uh, say that they're either good for the same times of day or days of the week. About 30% say, yeah, both. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we talked about this before, of course, and uh, as I technically uh, can consider myself a millennial, although admittedly I'm, a, I'm an old millennial, uh, a grandma millennial, if you will, uh, you know, thinking about those pairing occasions uh, that, are, uh, that are most likely to be impacted uh, in terms of adding, adding cannabis and alcohol into the same the same experience, uh, most likely going to be small group or solo situations, small gatherings, unwinding, Netflix and chill, date nights. Uh, those are gonna be the occasions that you're, 
more likely to see a pairing. Um, alcohol, even for the younger consumers, is still, still more often seen to be a large group, a celebration, um, or, or an outside of the house activity. Um, certainly, <laughs> these days in COVID, we have fewer of those opportunities. Uh, but, but certainly, as we think about long term, um, seeing how those continue to interact. Um, and again, seeing how, as we've spoken about before, the advent of social consumption, um, whether that be in separate consumption lounges, which is most likely the first step, or even someday um, as these, these younger consumers continue to come in and as the industry continues to evolve, uh, that sort of holy grail situation of being able to select between a, let's say a cannabis beverage or an alcoholic beverage in the same venue um, during the same event and at the same occasion. We'll, uh, well, we'll have to hold our breath for that one, Jay, but uh, I, I, it is coming <laughs> in the future. Um, that being said, and why I put out the it's complicated uh, for the relationship status for younger consumers with cannabis, uh, just like the, the general consumer, what we see in terms of current impact is still relatively low. Um, it's a little bit higher than what we see for other age groups, uh, but still above 50% are saying that their cannabis consumption, or excuse me, their alcohol consumption is not changing or has not yet changed because of their cannabis consumption. And see that incredibly low percentage of consumers who are stopping their alcohol consumption altogether. Um, so what we're seeing is, again, some, um, some percentage saying that they are decreasing their alcohol consumption, and that's coming back to that substitution equation. So instead of having, let's say, five beers in, a, in an occasion or three to four beers in an occasion, having maybe one to two plus a joint or plus an edible um, and or completely substituting a cannabis beverage for an alcoholic beverage um, in some occasions. Now, it's also interesting to note, and these are very, very small, not necessarily um, for significant differences, but, but differences nonetheless, and worth paying attention to as maybe the tip of the spear of a trend. We're seeing some younger consumers uh, stating that they're actually increasing their alcoholic consumption because of their cannabis consumption. Um, and so those are most likely your, your younger consumers, again, aging into a world where cannabis and alcohol are both legal um, at the same time. Uh, but, but certainly uh, a number of other reasons to unpack there uh, within that still relatively small percentage of those who are saying that their alcoholic consumption is going up. Uh, now, it is worth noting, Jay, that the millennials and Gen Zers are more likely than any other age group by a pretty significant amount to state that uh, reducing alcohol consumption is a primary reason for consuming cannabis. Hmm. It's a small percentage, it's about a third, uh, but, but maybe larger than you would think. Uh, whereas you compare that to say the boomer generation where they're more in the, uh, in the 15 to 20% who are saying uh, that they're consuming with an explicit purpose of trying to or working to reduce their alcohol consumption. Hmm. The public good. I suppose so. It could, it could be thought that way. Uh, depends on, I guess, your, uh, <laughs> your perspective there. That's um, my perspective. But again, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Focus group of one. Focus group of two. <laughs> 
Um, so, so again, as we said yesterday, you know, can't be understated that these uh, millennials, these Gen Z consumers, so important to watch how they're behaving, how they're interacting uh, with other industry adjacent uh, products and services. You know, right now, I think it's, uh, it's, it's more appropriate to pay close attention to the interaction between Beval and cannabis with these younger consumers. But frankly, as they start to age into uh, the, the aches and pains and sort of uh, general aging uh, that, that we all experience, it'll be equally interesting to watch how they are going to interact with over-the-counter medications, with prescription medications, um, and with other health and wellness categories uh, based on their comfort level and sort of their experience with cannabis that they're cultivating at a younger age. What strikes me, because I come from a political and public policy background, is that um, if I am an alcohol and beverage company and I see these numbers, I mean, they're, they're petrified anyway, they're losing market share, but these are this generation is it's significant and and the openness to it is significant and and the part that a third of them talk about um using more cannabis as a way to cut down explicitly on alcohol consumption is certainly worrisome to that sector which leads me to think two things one they are going to lobby heavily against any kind of social consumption sort of co co-location and we're likely to see i think more of those the sort of constellation brands types companies enter the cannabis space to both offset their losses and gain market share. Yeah, absolutely. So the optimist in me loves to think about the, the cohabitating and coexisting um, everyone wins scenario where we see more and more collaborations between the Beval industry and the cannabis industry. I think there's plenty of opportunity um, for both. Uh, and I think the, uh, the pairings and those joint occasions is, is really where uh, where I see a lot of opportunity again for 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 co uh, co marketing co branding co products um, and not necessarily always thinking about and we talked about this actually uh, a few weeks ago when we were just talking about the sort of the general relationships not just the, the younger consumers between Beval and cannabis. Uh, but not just thinking about a one-to-one -one switch uh, alcoholic beverage for a cannabis beverage. It's much more complicated and complex than that. Yeah. Well, so are people. Yeah, as we are. Yes. <laughs> well, well, it, it, I mean, it, it brings up so many um, both questions and opportunities, I think, to think about uh, what we talked about last week, this, this sort of next generation cohort that is going to be, you called it the tip of the spear, like going to be really driving where the sector is going uh, it has the intersection of um, policy and uh, sort of consumption behavior and patterns and purchasing behavior and, so and relative size of the generation, as well as um, the real general lack of stigma around the product. Absolutely. The future is here, right? I can't <laughs> wait. Every week we get to explore what the future is with you. Um, uh, and, and from your perspective in sort of more mature markets, right? Like so the Californias and the Colorados, do these things change over time to, to get bigger? Or, or is it like, as soon as it becomes legal, these things sort of are set in place and they, they're not necessarily moving? Yeah, we definitely see an evolution over time. You know, you look at Colorado as, as the sort of bellwether example of, of one of the longest and then most established legal markets. And we saw the consumption rate across all consumers, not across um, younger consumers, but the consumption rate 
um, moved from about 24% three and a half years ago to, uh, to around 40% uh, today. So significant growth over time. Now what's interesting is every market is not created in a vacuum. So there's this additive effect as more and more markets are coming online. Um, and that's sort of the beauty of our interconnected lives and our interconnected world where even if you are a consumer who doesn't happen to live in a legal market. So in the US, you know, of course, we've got this patchwork of legal and illicit and legacy markets. Uh, but we're seeing those benefits of destigmatization, those benefits of mainstreaming um, are being felt as more and more countries and states come online. So, you know, Canada, of course, leading the way from a federal perspective, changing the mindset, not just of Canadian citizens, but of US and, and those globally as well, as they see, oh, um, you know, Canada has federally legalized, uh, things are going well, you know, we're not seeing an uptick in crime, we're not seeing all of these sort of scary things that, that folks talk about. And we've seen this play out, of course, on a state-by-state -state basis as well in the US. Uh, so we see the, the evolution and that, that acceptance rate uh, picking up year over year uh, as these more and more of these new markets come online. And two, to your point, as this younger consumer ages in, um, you know, I think it's clear from looking at both the, the demographics and also some of these attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors that uh, the younger consumers are more accepting of cannabis and are more uh, willing to consume and, and have a, a lower barrier to entry there uh, than perhaps some of these other generations who have had the war on drugs and the DARE programs and, you know, sort of all those other uh, factors moving into their conceptions and their perceptions about cannabis. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the future looks bright and it's great to connect with you about this over the past couple of weeks. So thank you, Liz Tahura of BDSA. Always a pleasure, Jay. 